0: Welcome to another episode of the who Dat jedi podcast this is episode 158 for those of you keeping track i'm aaron and with me as always is fredo and dave how's it going guys all right it's a going it's a going it's a going you know it's kind of weird the the temperature at, we've actually kind of had a spring in new orleans it's i mean temperatures in the 80s but it's a pleasant 80s i mean man sitting on my back porch and it's just gorgeous so mm-hmm. um, well, don't get it, don't get too attached to it don't <laughs> get too attached to it
1: it's still gonna come to an end in a hurry
0: and we're going to have a normal if this is a if you're if this was a video podcast you'd see the air quotes a normal hurricane season so uh
1: knocking on all the wood right now
0: yeah <laughs> um yeah which so. over the last
2: uh, 15 years or so uh is is not so good yeah normal
0: is not so good so anyway that uh, that uh, beginning of that season is coming up here in what about a week right so hooray um uh but anyway so those are the, the fun things going on uh and but we're sitting here recording actually on um let's just make this as kind of our opening stuff today is star Wars's birthday it was in 1977 on this date may 25th that star wars uh debuted in the theater um so i don't know that's that's uh and the funny things about that was that what uh, george lucas was in hawaii running away from uh uh like potential horrible reviews and plotting indiana jones with uh uh steven spielberg
1: yeah the, the way the legend goes is that he had planned a vacation for the release date of uh, Star Wars. He didn't want to be anywhere near, uh, anywhere where the movie was showing. And Steven Spielberg was also on in Hawaii at the same time. He had just finished uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which was set to come out later in that summer, during that year. And while at the beach, George Lucas was mentioning the idea he had about making like a James Bond version that he could make, and you know, Steven Spielberg said, "Well, don't make him a spy. That's boring. We've had." Bond knockoffs left, right, and center. Why don't you make him somebody more interesting? No, it
0: was it was Steven Spielberg who was saying that he yeah. wanted to do a James yeah. Bond film, and George yeah. Lucas said, "No, yeah. do this. I got it."
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It was the other way around, but yeah. Basically, at the beach, I sat down and came up with Indiana Jones.
0: But uh, what am I am I wrong in remembering that uh, that Star Wars kind of coined the term blockbuster? Or was that something before that? Because it's about the line being around the block. I mean, this yeah. was something that they had not really seen before with uh, with movies. Um, but you see those those shots of opening day. I mean, that's like it's like the internet was you know a thing. I mean,
1: if, if it didn't invent it, it cemented it. I think following on the footsteps of stuff like Jaws, two two years earlier, just the idea of okay a movie that everybody's got to go see in the summer so, you know, star wars is very much uh okay this is the model now this is what we're doing
0: think about i mean think about the things that have that star wars is responsible for just kind of tangentially i mean it's like star obviously star wars was you know one of our favorite movies but i mean you talk about um nobody talked about a trilogy before and i mean this is the, the start of it. I mean, now we're going to be talking tonight about solo and whether or not, I mean, it could be argued that star Wars, uh, did not set itself up for a sequel. It was a, it was wrapped up in a box and it could have been just a standalone, but I mean, it went on with empire and Jedi and we ended up getting what we now know as a trilogy. Now everybody talks about trilogies all the time. You talk about the action figure, um, you know, market that was kind of floundering and, or even just merchandising a movie that was unheard of. And that was George Lucas's genius of getting a certain percentage of the merchandise, merchandising, merchandising.
2: Like creation of ILM. Yeah. These effects houses because there were, there were shots that they just couldn't make, they couldn't create in time. And it was like, well, okay, let's figure out a way to do this and we're going to do it ourselves. Um, and, and so much that stemmed out of that decision. Um,
0: well, but yeah. it all really, I mean, you know, there's always been special effects in movies, but this was like the first with really computer coordinated, you know, motion control special effects. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's just the way things are done, you know? Um, and it, yeah, just, yeah, all the, yeah, it's, so, t- so Star Wars is responsible. It's the, it's a, like a, a broken dam for a lot of, you know, movie innovation and just, and cultural innovation. Um, So, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't, I, know I don't, we didn't go see it on opening day. I know that I, it, you know, the first time I saw it was not on, you know, VHS when I was in elementary school. I know we saw it, you know, in 77. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's been a thing that, you know, made my brother and and my sister and I closer because we, we talked and played star Wars all the time. Um, not many other movies say that. I mean, can you pinpoint another movie where people are like, Hey, let's play Caddyshack. Well, I guess that's golf. But anyway, you know. That's like playing doctor though, right? The way that movie that's went? True. Uh, that's true. That's uh, true. But you know what I mean though. It's like, it's, there's, I don't know. I can't, I can't really a, put my finger a, on a, another movie that is, has those type of, you know.
1: Really the only other movie I think, there's only two movies that I think in my lifetime and probably a lot of as well. Have come close to making that level of impact. Actually, I'm gonna name three. Batman in 1989, which in some ways re, re, gave it's like a rebirth for the superhero movie. I agree it's, with you that. know, It's yeah, you know, it just saves the that idea of the deal. superhero movie. Yeah. And just the idea, you know, of Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson, the Prince soundtrack. Uh the other two are Jurassic Park, because the special effects, that, that was something you had to go see. Oh, you haven't seen Jurassic Park. You have to go see the dinosaurs are so lifelike, which is hilarious because none of us know how the dinosaur sounded like. But anyway. And then the other movie I can think of, the top of my head, that has that impact is Titanic. What's so amazing about that is Titanic, as many detractors as they had fans, it's just the fans just kept coming out after it week at the I mean this is a movie that was still number one in movie theaters months after its release that oh it's coming back to theaters for this one weekend and bam goes back to number one i think star wars is the only one that kind of that kind of has kind of done that
0: you know it's i like, uh, that, that
1: level of cultural touchstone
0: i don't think that i have I, I think i have seen all of titanic but not in sequential order I, it's always been caught on TV like a scene here and a scene there. I've never sat down and watched that movie from start to finish. Um, you know, what's we don't have to dive down this rabbit hole too far, but the, the thing that is different between the two that you mentioned of Batman and Titanic and Star Wars is, I mean, it's very interesting. You said the soundtrack. And that is a thing that I think that makes the Star Wars movie stand out is that it's not beholden to a good prince album or to celine dion you know and a song that's going to you know make middle school girls like you know gush um star wars uh, that's the thing that's just amazing is that it was an orchestral you know romantic score that was unheard of as well and it was it just and the movie was so popular because of it um yeah, it wasn't until we got the disco remix that uh we got anything we could hear on the radio.
2: I We're talking that, like I had that album. The... Well, yeah, I had, you know, I did too. Um the uh Jurassic Park was the other one he cited, which is an interesting more of a traditional Hollywood mm-hmm. uh orchestral score. And and then um it was John Williams. <laughs> yeah. And then like you could throw in um I guess in modern blockbusters, you could throw in the Avatar movies and you could throw in um, some of the Marvel stuff because some of the numbers they put up are, are
0: jaw-dropping. Um, but yeah, you know, it's... Well, and that's the other... I'm sorry to interrupt you, but that's what I do. But that's the other thing that Star Wars did. It's I kind of brought in the, the idea of the summer movie event. You know, it's like... That's why it drove me nuts with all these sequel kids going, you know or prequel or sequel kids going, oh, we should have movies that open on Christmas. That's when Star Wars... No, Star Wars movies have always opened in May. They've always opened in May. They have kicked off, you know, the summer. And that's Batman. I remember Batman came out, what, about May, June as well? I mean, it was the kickoff of the summer blockbuster. That I don't think that was really a thing. Correct me if I'm wrong. Hit me up on Twitter or whatever. But, you know, until we started... You know it was i think what even indiana jones was maybe a may so i think so but but it's, not, it's dave is either frozen or looking uh, very uh forlorn concerning at me you know so um yeah,
1: yeah. but but i think you get to a point which is that star wars cemented that idea of the summer movie event with china with memorial day weekend meaning when kids are out of school because mm-hmm. who's got the disposable income who's got the interest in going to a theater to see a movie two, three times to see the same movie. You know, the adults are gonna see a movie once and go home. But if you put a movie in the summer that the kids in the hot months that the kids are gonna go nuts over, it, it, Star Wars in a way cements that that idea in Hollywood's mindset and has kept it in there for the next, well, what is it, 47 years now? So 46, 47 years now? 46, yeah. So it's 46, yeah. I should know. It's I I'm, must I'm hold a Star Wars. Anyway, uh, it's that it's a concept that uh, it, you know it's established. It's established, and then everyone is trying to repeat it, repeat that process of okay, we have to have a summer blockbuster, and we got to tie it to a major holiday weekend, so that that's why you get stuff coming out for Fourth of July. That's why you get stuff coming out Memorial Day weekend. That's why Avengers Endgame. So it's like nope, we gotta we're putting our stuff ahead of that because we want to get ahead of everybody else and. You now, the whole idea of when you release your movie enters into the zeitgeist of uh, of the populace because before they're just, okay, my movie's done, we're putting it out at this point, and that's that. and it's, No, there, there's, a, there's a method to the madness of when you release a movie, and Star Wars kind of helps bring that to the forefront of you put it in the right moment, you find its audience, you will make a ton of money.
0: Well, there you go. Yep and and dave is back and moving i took a screenshot so i'll share it later uh <laughs> but uh all right well yeah so happy birthday star wars um you know we wouldn't be doing this podcast without you uh, let's do some let's do some quick uh trivia here real quick dave i'm gonna start with you all right who tells obi-wan kenobi that qui-gon jinn quote was once my apprentice just as you were once his who tells um, Obi Wan Kenobi that Qui Gon Jinn was quote once my apprentice, just as you were once his? That would have to be Count Dooku. Is Count Dooku from your yeah. favorite prequel movie, Attack of the Clones? We
1: would, we would also have accepted Darth Tyrannus.
0: Revenge of the Sith is
2: technically my favorite, but was oh, it right? Yeah, yeah. I just have a lot of admiration for the fact that he swung for the fences in Attack of the Clones.
0: All right. Um, I have a rule that I have to go with the first one I saw, right? Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, Fredo, here you go. I'm going to throw Captain this. Panaka. I'm going to throw Captain this Panaka. one. I'm going to throw this one underhanded. And uh, actually, no, not even underhanded. We're just going to put on this T here for you. Just a whack over the fence. Um, who advises your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust them.
1: Thou be old Ben Kenobi
0: so that's the correct answer so this is funny this is my first my first gig teaching right out of the gate and um i was teaching marching band we're learning uh new we're running through the drill and kids were still um like in their music and i was trying to get them out of their music and just just play it from memory and i used the line i said your eyes can deceive you don't trust them and i heard from like about 50 yards away it's when the Falcon was coming out of hyperspace and Ben was talking to Lou. <laughs> One kid explaining to another where that quote came from. That was just mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, okay. So to me, another Qui-Gon question, uh, what human frailty according to Qui-Gon Jin, quote, can be a powerful ally. What human frailty according to Qui-Gon Jin, quote, can be a powerful ally. I'm going to say fear. No, it's Greed. I got the hard one today. It's greed. Mm-hmm. How can greed be a powerful ally?
2: Because he's talking about uh, getting Wato to bet on the race and fleecing uh, him essentially.
0: Yeah, but the way that's phr- the way that's phrased though is that if you are greedy, that can be a powerful ally for yourself. I yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, Bear greed can be a powerful ally for you. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well it's two to one all right you guys win so um all right well uh let's see here what do we got for news this week fredo uh,
1: well we gotta hope we got some sad we got some happy we got some interesting so let's start with the sad and this came out yesterday we have to say goodbye to one race Stevenson, who for fans outside of star wars he played Blackbeard and black sails he was awesome in HBO's Rome as Titus Polo. In the Star Wars world, he played one role that we know him and one that we're gonna know him as. Uh, he was the voice of Gar Saxon in both Clone Wars as well as Rebels. Oh, and he played a uh, Volstagg in Thor. You know, one of the he was also uh,
0: wasn't he also no he was not the voice for a guy in Rebels. Um... Yeah, Gar Saxon. Well Gar Saxon, but there was another dude, but I'm thinking never mind, I'm thinking of a totally different He might have been. Yeah.
1: no. And then uh he was gonna he was set to play one of those weird orange lightsaber wielding uh characters in Ahsoka Palin Skull. So uh yeah, he passed away yesterday. Uh ripe old age of excuse me, of fifty nine. I mean, that's amazing. Isn't that really young? Uh but yeah, unfortunately our thoughts on and- Enterprise go out to his family and loved ones it's surprising because if you ever see one of his characters, if you ever see like Punisher Warzone it's such a silly movie and it delivers great but I always tell people go back and watch Rome that that show is what Game of Thrones should have been it's just because in two seasons they crammed so much good stuff and this character is amazing so anyway condolences Uh, moving right along we'll go to the happier news First bit of happy news is uh, we just had Carrie Fisher get her uh, star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame at the start of the month. And we're going to end it with another character from Star Wars, uh, Ming-Na Wen, from, who's Fennec Shand in Book of Boba Fett, and who was uh, you know in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and who's really been in everything you can imagine in Hollywood for the last 40 years.
0: She was the voice of uh, Mulan. Yeah. Voice of
1: Mulan uh i mean you can you can you know she's in a she's done everything under the sun she's gonna get her star on the Hollywood walk of fame this tuesday on tuesday uh five uh, may 30th excuse me so could be the news there for her i mean it's recognition of her never-ending work i mean she's she's awesome she she delivers wherever you know whatever role you cast her and she's in everything
0: you know i'm glad that they ended up i, I was actually quite worried when the first season of Book of Boba or not first, first season of Mandalorian mm-hmm. and we got one episode and she was thought to be killed off, you know, it's like, why do you, why do you bring in that caliber of an actor to kill them off in one episode? You know, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that we've gotten more of that character. Um, and, and she was, she was awesome in agents of shield. Uh, that was, I think one of the better characters of, that uh series so
1: so and then you know again it's 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 interesting that she ends up you know whether it's a starting role a supporting role just a cameo she she's great in everything and yeah uh glad for her uh kind of a break i'm gonna pause right quick because we did get a other bit of news today uh kind of from one tick news they're exclusive wrote today that Tamora Morrison will be making his return to Star Wars in Ahsoka as CT7567, aka Captain Rex. So we're gonna get our Captain Rex de- live debut in uh, in Ahsoka, which is kind of fun that they went and got uh because we had seen Tamora in Obi Wan Kenobi playing one of the old uh bristled uh clone troopers that was down on his luck, but here he's gonna be actually playing rex after playing boba fett, and boba fett.
0: so it will be interesting to see if he uh if he, if the voice is different or you know if he if he takes mm-hmm. from uh oh gosh uh who's the guy that did all the clones P- and P- bradley baker yeah if he because captain rex has a very distinctive uh you know kind of pitch and cadence um and that was very different from Tamura's uh Boba Fett. So uh or Django, yeah. Yeah. So it'll no, be interesting uh, to see no, if we uh, get any of that.
1: Yeah, it'd be interesting. And yeah. will we get confirmation
0: yeah. that he was what's his butt on Endor, you know, um the guy with the white beard. So that
1: <laughs> everybody says it's him, yeah. No, it's 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 interesting and I'm kinda glad. I mean, look, you got the opportunity, he's there. You can make him part of the show and it's another
2: little,
1: uh, it up
0: for the fans. Do we, do, are, are, man, are we going to, uh, let's speculate. Do you think we'll get a glorious uh, Guns of blazon ending for Captain Rex, or is that going to come in uh, Dave Filoni's movie maybe?
2: Maybe, something um, like that, yeah.
0: He's and either, he, it, he, he has to go down in a blaze of glory.
2: He deserves a an ending, right, of yeah. some kind. Whether it's uh, you know him going off to the retirement farm or whatever, but we we, we deserve to see Rex's uh, ending. He's
0: yeah. already gone off to go fishing. You can't go off go fishing twice. Uh, it's, I think that, yeah, I think he's gonna. I think it's gonna be a uh, kind of like uh, Independence Day and Randy Quaid, you know, type of a deal. Uh,
1: well, my my thing is, I wanted to push back against it, but then I just realized. Dave Filoni gave us Cat Bane in Book of Boba Fett, and two episodes later, he was gone. He was dead. So there's no guarantee that you're going to bring your favorite characters from Fallen Wars and Rebels, finally get them in live action, that they're going to stick around for long. You know, if anything, Filoni might just go, Yeah, you know what? Here you go. You like them, kids? Bam, there you go. So, I, one,
2: one gonna... thing, go yeah, ahead, I'll just. I'll make one brief suggestion that mm-hmm. might be a possibility here, which is that he could play the uh the older sage character uh within this context because we know the clones age faster. Uh we know he was pretty dang old That's in Turn of the Jedi. Uh he may be the guy that Ahsoka goes to visit to grab some wisdom from. Um play and that I'm role. just thinking
1: and I'm just thinking in terms of if you're trying to plant the seeds of the resistance For the sequels who better to start that training aspect than somebody who's been through two intergalactic civil wars
0: does he know i don't think it's i don't think in any of the clone wars or rebels i don't think it's been revealed to him that anakin skywalker is darth vader that'd be interesting to see anything you know any Mm -hmm. sort of thing with that
1: all right so then the next bit of news actually it's less news and more uh possibility so um, Natalie Portman was doing a GQ interview with um, uh, online, uh, talking about her you know, social media presence, the soccer club that she owns in uh, Southern California, and so somebody asked her, "Hey, would you be open to coming back to Star Wars, maybe finishing Padme's story, you know, maybe doing something else?" And she goes, "You know, uh, nobody's approached me with anything." I'm not
0: against it. It's what they all say. Bit.
1: Right, right. And, and and part of me was thinking, but you know, at the same time, you don't necessarily, you could always bring her as one of her handmaidens, somebody grown up. There's ways to bring Natalie Portman back into Star Wars. I mean, we've always had Ewan McGregor, Hayden Christensen, uh, you know, you had all these characters who from the prequels we thought we'd we'll never see again back in. Well, here's so the interest to see if you want to bring her back, you
0: could. In one of those tales of the Jedi, I mean, it had Ahsoka at uh, Padme's funeral and she said, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, Bale said, why are you here? She said, well, she's my friend. And so if, Anna, if, you know, Hayden Christensen is going to be in the Ahsoka series, um, and, feasibly in a flashback form, well, obviously it would have to be in a flashback form because, mm-hmm. He did, um, so why not? A Padme, Anakin, Ahsoka, you know. So as we're talking about this, Ahsoka thing, I do remember what I was going to say? Um, this, the, this is not. It's not like I lay in bed worried about this and like, oh no, the series, the series is going to be ruined for me. I am. It'll be interesting to see how I react to different voices for characters it's not like we just got like a couple episodes of these we got five seasons of rebels and or four seasons of rebels and seven seasons of the clone wars and you're used to these voices and we're going to hear a different Hera we're going to hear a different Sabine we're going to hear a different Ezra we're going to hear a different Ahsoka we're going to you know we're going to different Rex and so will I how long will it allow me to go, okay, I'm cool. You know, um, that's what I I was worried about with Solo. And, you know, they got the cadence and they got, you know, you know, Don Glover and, um, um, what's his bucket? Um, uh, Yeah, they, they got the cadence and the kind of mannerisms, right? And it was like, okay, I'm cool. And I suppose that's, it'll just be interesting to see. So
1: what's interesting is, where I say, with Rebels, we have a bit of distance from those characters, because how long ago did the finale air? It's been a few years. We're still hearing Rex till this season. He was just in season two of The Bad Batch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of the great talents that Dee Bradley Baker has shown is the ability to develop personalities within these characters so that even though they're all clones, tech doesn't sound the same as Wrecker, doesn't sound the same as Rex doesn't sound the same as Wolf doesn't but
0: sound the same as Jesse to Dave's so... point to Dave's point though <laughs> earlier that the benefit that we have is that this is going to be a old old old, old Rex so it's going mm-hmm. to be you know we're, there's going to be some forgiveness there so mm-hmm.
2: you were you were also talking about like the flashback potential uh, a minute or two ago and I feel like if they did that Um, I would really like to see Ashley Eckstein voice Ahsoka in that situation or somebody with a a brighter voice Mm -hmm. than Rosario, um, just to offer a little more connective tissue that feels more appropriate because during that time period, her voice was completely different. So, um, I'd I'd like to see that. It, it would be a nice like nod if they did that. If they're for whatever reason we're doing a flashback with Padme, I'd be like, you know, related hey, to maybe Pro
0: Ashley related bone. to that. Um, I saw um, Rosario Dawson um, made a post on Instagram and uh, basically celebrating the friendship that she has with Ashley Eckstein and. It's like my, again, I talk about my first teaching gig. You know, the first thing I did when I got, I was, I was taking over for a guy who had been band director there for eons. And he was everybody, you know, like everybody's grandpa. He was and the most beloved person in the town. And the first thing that I did was made sure that I made friends with him. You know, and it's like, and so I think Rosario um, by... I think she's been very honorable um and um and very you know um what am i trying to say just it's has been very good to ashley through this and she recognizes that you know what you know ashley created this character you know yeah dave filoni created it but i mean it was ashley's voice and heart and you know blood sweat and tears um so she's and, a, you know the, she's done a good the, job in honoring that
1: to, to that point, and I think it's something that there's a certain level of recognition that it, it's emerged over the last generation about not just the quality, but the talent and the effort put in by voice actors into animated roles, whether it's on TV or movies or whatever. And I'm just thinking of, you know, wait, you know how many people still to this day recognize Mark Hamill as quote-unquote their Joker, you know, or Kevin Conroe as their Batman, and That's, you know, when when you talk about the performances and the imprint that they left, you know, Ashley Eckstein is Ahsoka, as much as Dee Bradley Baker is all these clones, and uh, Sam Witwer is Darth Maul, you know, because those are the voices that everybody grew to accept and, and, you know, communicate with and love. So it's a good sign when another performer, another actor recognizes, okay, I'm, this is not me trying to make the character mine. This is me getting that torch banded to me and being uh, respectful of what's come before, even though I have to put my own spin on it. Because, I mean, ultimately, that's the reality. Every actor has to do their own thing.
2: And I'm glad you brought up Sam Witwer because that's a, like a real-life example of them bringing that voice actor back. Um, to Again, to offer a little bit of that connection, but also probably to... Be kind to that voice actor and say, "Hey, you were a big part of this for a number of years."
0: So um, I ha- have to share this with our with our listeners. Um, is thing I shared in our uh, in our in our private uh, um, Twitter group that it was obviously a spoof that you know or you know, har- obviously not accurate, but is said uh, a script uh, page of the script from the Ahsoka show. Um, uh, or no, from Dave Filoni's, uh, uh, movie has leaked and says interior hangar bay daytime, Ahsoka Tano. We need to take the fight to Thrawn. Bo-Katan Kryze steps out from the shadows. You'll have my dark saber. The Mandalorian steps out of the shadows and my jet pack. The camera slowly pans 360 degrees in a similar continuous shot Boba Fett and my flamethrower. Captain Rex and my blaster. Sabine Wren and my spray paint cans. Severellios <laughs> and my paws. Baby Yoda, in parentheses, he can talk now. And my marble Reds. <laughs> Ezra Bridger and my can do attitude. Cal Kestis, I'm Cal Kestis. <laughs> Hondo Anaka and my knowledge of business. Zero the Hut and my delicious Cajun gumbo. <laughs> i about spit when i was reading that thing it was so dang fun. my marble reds but the other one mm-hmm. i just love was i'm cal kestis um I'm
1: cal kestis i'm matt damon yeah perfect
0: matt damon, <laughs> yeah, <man>. matt damon. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh um so i you know i am looking i'm looking forward to the ahsoka series um And you mentioned, you know, Sam Witwer, you know, there's, I've heard smatterings will, you know, you know, Maul be involved. I mean, again, if you want to, you could have a flashback that has, you know, Anakin and Ahsoka going up. Of course, the first time she ever went up against Maul was in the season seven of Clone Wars. So, yeah. She was on her own. Anyway. Um. Man, we're starting to get into the, for Christmas, I'd like a pony. Anyway, all right, so let's move on with more news there, Fredo.
1: Okay, yeah, speaking of ponies, uh, I'm going to skip right quick because uh, the the last bit of news is going to take us a hot minute. So I'll just throw in the rumor about uh, the Assassin's Creed publisher Ubisoft, the big French uh, video game developer, is working on an open-world Star Wars game, and they're saying you may be getting your hands on it sooner than you think. Is this so... like
0: Star Wars Fortnite?
1: Not really. It's more these. uh, So, if you ever played an Ubisoft game, they're the guys who developed the Assassin's Creed series, Far Cry. These are the people, which is kind of like an open world, uh, in this case, be an open universe. Uh, They've developed some other uh, concepts. So, first reveal, just dance, baby. Just
2: dance. That's what we need.
1: Well, we already had that. Insert, I'm I'm soloing here.
2: I'm loving my head sky.
1: I'm i They also did the Division 1 and 2, so military loot shooters. So the project's called Project Helix. It's being developed by studio, Massive, under Ubisoft. So the idea is that it's going to involve some interplanetary space travel. It's going to involve a lot of the similar action elements Supposedly, it's meant to take place sometime around the Mendo first period, and they're hoping to potentially have it out, for Christmas this year. Now they do admit, and this is usually true, and Dave can speak to this as well as I. Video game releases are sketchy. They, you know, they're not out until they're out. They, they could tell you it's out this Christmas and meant to get pushed to next summer because stuff is not working right. Then, you know, so the idea is that they're going to have a big summer showcase on June 12th, where they're gonna show off all their video games, and in the middle of that, they might officially reveal their Star Wars game that they've been working on for now, going on two, two and a half years. So it'd be interesting to see, I mean, look, the last Star Wars video game, not named Jedi, Survivor, Jedi Fallen Order, though, was a hit, I mean, Squadrons was a fighter video game, you know, you're piloting, and then you had Battlefront too, but. You really haven't had a story or an open-world Star Wars game since the Knights of the Old Republic series, so this would be an interesting one to see if they go like Assassin's Creed but Star Wars, and the crowd goes mild. So Hooray. let's move. Right, <coughs> yeah, let's let's move right quick to the big news of the week, which you know all the news were big, but this was the biggest. We, we like to title this: Aaron was right, and this is Aaron's victory lap. It officially came out last Friday. That now, I take Disney no joy World.
0: in this. I take no joy in this, but go ahead.
1: Disney World is closing Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. The final sale, sailings uh, will take place the weekend of September 29 and 30. According to CNN, uh, uh, when asked Disney why the attraction was closing, a spokesperson said it was a business decision and did not elaborate. Obviously, when you're talking about paying anywhere from $4,800 to $6,000 per cabin for two nights in a very inversive element, uh, you know, it kind of shows that probably ran its course. So new bookings are still available. Uh, they shut them down. But then, yeah, the final run starts on September 28th. And after September 30th, Disney says, you know, guests will be called to discuss their options and modify their plans. And, you know, and obviously, well, before we discuss all this, a thought to all the cast members who gave so much effort and time into this because now so, they're going to have to be switched to other stuff.
0: Yeah, to that though. Um, so I watch, I watch and listen to some Disney podcasts and uh, other mm-hmm. Star Wars podcasts and stuff as well. Um, first of all, it sounds like those the cast members, I think they're going to be like repurposed into Galaxy's mm-hmm. Edge, which, which, or basically, they're not getting fired. But they're thinking that you know you could easily take because the idea of Galaxy's Edge was for like alien people to go you know be wandering around you know just be you know just you you have more characters now that you can have you know in Galaxy's Edge you know you could take the um, the the singer you know the 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 musical talent stuff like that why not put them in Ogas have them you know do like one or two songs every every hour because you only get 45 minutes in oga's cantina so there's things they can do with all those with all those characters um here's the interesting thing i mean it cost 300 million dollars to build the galactic star cruiser and so they were not making my we you know we we talked about what would they do with it you know what are they that's the whole thing i was like what are we going to do with this 300 million dollars to build the galactic star cruiser and they're not they haven't made a dime back yet and so they need to do something to start making money or they need to level it and so here's some things that to think about my and my wife and i were talking about this at dinner tonight um because she's like you just can't level it i'm like yeah i mean it makes it's like you spend 300 million dollars on something and then just level it it's like that seems dumb But here's the thing that's going against it. You know, we talked about, I I mentioned once before, they should make it like an attraction, you know, for Galaxy's Edge. Problem is that when I, as I think about that, it's like, what are you going to do with like the hundred hotel rooms as part of that? And not guarantee that like high school and college kids are going to break into one of the rooms and do what high school and, you know, middle school kids do in hotel rooms. Um, you know, so you got a hundred hotel rooms to deal with. Um, so the other thing, it's like, okay, well, you could make it into just a, just a hotel. Don't make it the murder mystery hotel. Just make it a star Wars theme hotel. That's cool. There's a couple of things that are going against it here. There's first of all, um, no pool. If you're going to spend money on a Disney pool or a Disney hotel or any hotel, they're and you're going to take kids, you're going to need a pool. I mean, that's just kind of, if you don't have a pool, it's like, you know, what are we doing here? Um, other thing is fitness center. You know, standard hotels have, you know, these certain amenities that the Galactic Star Cruiser does not have. Another one is that it does not have a parking lot. It's valet parking right now because they take your car and they park it in cast in the cast parking. Um, it's also not really there's no easy access to Hollywood studios. They put you in a, a shuttle, you know, quote unquote, ba- you know, a themed, you know, box truck to take you into galaxy's edge. But it's, so there's some logistic things that like, yeah, make it into a hotel, but then it's like, it's not in a really good location for a standard resort hotel. Um, and same thing goes with making it another part of an, Part of the attraction now could they dump more money into building a pool parking lot fitness center and you know, retrofitting it into a hotel absolutely could and actually you know what that might get me to go because i'd go stay for a couple nights in a disney trip at a star wars themed hotel maybe not all the days that i'm there but i'd go to stay at the star wars hotel for a couple days you know if
2: it were reasonably priced like a couple right. hundred bucks a night yeah
0: Right. Or even, even the moderate hotel price, you know, or, you know, the, because Disney has the tiered pricing, I think they could, they could make an argument because of the theming. I mean, obviously, I mean, to make it in one of those moderate or, um, value resorts, but there has to be some amenities, you know, um, because there's people were not, didn't see the value for what they were, you know, getting, um, and there just wasn't the repeat business, you know, it's...
1: And, and I think you hit a point right there regarding the repeat business, because the whole point of it was that you were going to live a Star Wars experience, whether you pick the light side or the dark side, whether you pick being a smuggler or being a Jedi, helping the Resistance, whatever. I think it's a, lot of, a lot of people recognize Mighty Quick is that there was... This wasn't a choose your own adventure where you had to come back and pay another... $6,000 to come back and find out how it could have ended different. This wasn't Clue, we had multiple endings. At the end of the day, the ending was the same regardless of whichever way you went in. So it didn't engender in the fan base the need to return. So it's more like a ride where, you know, look, we all love Splash Mountain or whatever it gets repurposed, whatever new thing it's gonna be. But if you have written Splash Mountain once, you kind of know where the jump is coming.
0: Yeah, you know
1: this is this isn't a surprise.
0: But but I mean but I still go on some of these rides over and over and over again. It doesn't matter True. to me, you know. Uh, but now the other entry
1: is not six thousand. The other the thing, country.
0: right? The other the other thing was uh, in this podcast I I watch um, that it's um, hosted by a travel agency. Um, they said the ironic thing is is that now that like have you ever seen the uh, the South Park episode where Cartman gets a um, a theme park and he says nobody can come and then everybody wants to come to this theme park that had been tanking. They're saying that their travel agency is getting now like more calls than ever to book the galactic star cruiser because now it's going away. Um, But I mean, again, it's going to come down to Disney's got to figure out how are we going to make money on this? And it might end up being one of those things where they just eat $300 million and, level it and but i think we're going to see i think they've proven though it is a proof of concept that you can develop these immersive things but i think they've realized okay you know we we shot the moon on what it was going to cost us um you know and i don't know i think they're they're going to learn from it but uh i don't know
2: my thinking on this has been that it uh, resembles a prison, so they should make it into the prison from Andor, uh, and then stage a prison break. And and it can be, and I said, it could be an escape room, you know, where you actually have to solve puzzles and, you know, figure your way out. And, and, and I think
0: that. that would be awesome too. But again, it's like, right. how do you get people there? You know what I mean? So there's got to be. And so that's the whole thing is that there's whatever they do, they've got to make it to make it part of Galaxy's Edge. They got to make it accessible to people in the park. And that's going to take more development. And if you've already spent 300 million and are losing money, are you going to put more money into something that may or may not get you return on your investment? So, and as likeliest much as answer likeliest answers, no, I mean, right. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. uh, so I think there's tons of things they could do, but it just comes down to, and that's why I, th- I was sitting there thinking, and I didn't say this one out loud as like, do you think that there's any part? And I think about my job and when we're in the design process of a product and I've never, I never heard this question come up. It's like, what happens if this doesn't go well, what's plan B? You know, I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to approach a project from a negative standpoint, but you know, it's like when they design galaxy's edge, do they think about what happens if this tanks? How, how, what's, what's plan B that we know we'll be able to, it's like when you're playing a gig and it's like, I'm going to do an original song and oh, that went like crap. All right, time for brown eyed girl. And everybody's back into it. You know, here it's just like, you're stuck with nothing but original content and a crowd that's mad at you because you're not playing brown eyed girl you know what i mean so it's just interesting um
1: yeah that, i think that i mean ultimately they've already invested the money in some aspect they need to figure out a way to kind of make it um palatable for people who come in and now whether that's the the escape room idea that Dave has, or whether you can simply retrofit it to be a more standard hotel experience in Disney World where, yeah, you get your business center and you get your buffet, you know, and you get a pool. You know, there's some ways to do go about it. I wouldn't trust that Disney wouldn't find a way to turn it from a negative to a positive. It's just, and I think it's surprising that they put so much into it and they were so adamant that this was going to be such an experience. And you remember? I mean, the excitement. Well, we were talking about the, the barriers and the issues, but there was still a level of excitement when it first opened up. And I don't know if you it, know if it was just the pandemic or the the economic realities afterwards. It just didn't connect with fans. No,
0: it's 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 different um, because, mm-hmm. and we don't we can I'll, I'll say this, then we can move on to our main mm-hmm. topic. But, um, it Disney under Bob Chapek, they they said the quiet part out loud. They said, and they said, yes, we are trying to price people out of coming to Disney World. They're making things so expensive. So they get the quote unquote, maybe right people to come to the park. And so, you know, you raise hotel prices, you raise prices on a cheeseburger, you raise, keep raising prices, raising prices, raising prices and a, you know, family. I mean, it becomes a Disney trip is for a lot of families. Like my family growing up, it was once in a lifetime, you know, uh, mm-hmm. for my wife and I with no kids and, you know, minimal debt, we can go multiple times, you know, through our, through our lives as a couple. If we had, if we had three kids like Dave, you know, it'd be different, you know, it'd a different reality. And it becomes like, okay, we got to, you know, we got to make this count because this might be the only time that our, you know, we go to Disney and then, but they keep raising the price. So they were trying to price people out. So the cost of this, I, you know, they had to pay for actors. I think they had on one side, if we're going to do it, let's do it right. And I appreciate them doing that, that if we're going to do it, let's do it right. But the problem is, is that it cost a gazillion dollars. So, um,
2: how many rooms was it again? hundred? I think, I think it's a hundred rooms. so. Yeah, again, like think about the math on that. Um, I've been playing Tears of the Kingdom, Zelda, and, you know, the the development budget on that must have been obscene. Um, And it offers this immersive experience where you get to, you know, choice A takes you down this road, choice B takes you down this road, and uh, you can choose to just like build things if you're a tinkerer you can choose to you know go on adventures if you're more into that sort of thing just like it's a great great game and it's very well received but they can sell 10 million copies in three days Mm -hmm. so they can price it affordably and everybody can get into it and and enjoy it and it's just like the math on this a hundred
0: rooms you know and even as a hotel it becomes difficult to, you know, make your money back. Yeah. Yeah. Because if I mean, you say, you know, like the 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 moderate hotels run like about seven fifty no, I'm sorry, maybe about maybe about six hundred dollars a night, let's say that. So you have a hundred rooms at six hundred um bucks a pop. Well, do the math, what do we get sixty thousand dollars? and you spent 300 yeah. you spent 300 million building this thing. I mean, okay, 300 out.
2: million d- divided by 60,000. <laughs> let's let's see <laughs> when you can get days. your note
0: paid, right? Yeah. Um right. So I think that also
1: factors in the building costs. Doesn't incur all the continuing costs because you you have all the costs that come with running a hotel, feeding people, cleaning rooms, all the linens all the stuff, and the difficulty here is not just like, you know, if you go to all your standard Disney hotel or resort in Orlando okay, you know, you know they they clean they make your bed every day, but they're just putting standard white sheets over standard white sheets. If you go into the fresher or you go into your Galactic, Galactic Star Cruiser cabin, no no, it's got to look like a certain way you're not just getting the whatever stock they got in discount, so you know every every cause that they had went up and up and up in order to sell the immersion which unfortunately wasn't possible to keep so it's like you know throwing more money at it just to try to keep it from, from going under
0: but i don't think again my last this is my parting shot i don't think that this is the end of this whole deal um because what they did in developing the lightsaber and the storyline and the characters and all those things I mean, it was an imagineering masterpiece um and they're not just going to chuck every bit of that they're going to try to figure out how to implement those things and you're going to see more immersion like this you know in places in the parks but anyway um so let's uh, is that the end of the news that's it and I, I i didn't say at one point any point fredo said i was right i didn't say i was right uh, <laughs> but uh no what we, to...
2: we were all obvious though right yeah I mean, it just it didn't seem like it would work it just didn't so but again like hope hope they can figure something out that
0: will make fans happy that would be my hope yeah um so the thing I, I brought up to the guys uh this past uh was it monday or tuesday was uh make solo happen to day make solo make solo two happen day um solo um and uh, and the podcast uh, the resistance podcast uh, resistance broadcast um over on uh the star wars newsnet um they they started this whole thing they're big solo fans and it's the whole thing is that every year it's just to get that hashtag trending because they they want a sequel and a lot of us want a sequel um, for for solo. Uh, I think solo gets a bad rap. And so the question I posed to you guys in our in our chat though, let's take it because we've talked about this before and we can maybe we can highlight how let's talk about first just the ways that solo set itself up for, you know, a continuation of the story. I said earlier that A New Hope could be just a standalone movie and we don't ever get Return of the Jedi or, you know, Empire Strikes Back. We don't get either of those and everything's cool. We have a great movie that lasts for eternity. Um, but Solo is different. There's a couple elements in there that sets us up for, you know, we could take this down the path, a couple paths. So, want to talk about that just really quick but then the other the other part of it is the way that this uh this story has continued because it has is through comic books and other media and how do we think about how do we feel about that so i guess first of all the ways the solo was set up we obviously the obvious one big big one is um the Darth Maul thing at the end, you know, come to me on Dathomir. With right? Yeah. With yeah. Kira. Okay. Um, what other ways did they set us up for a sequel?
1: Well, I mean, you have Han telling Chewie that he's got a good feeling about this job. He's going to go to Tatooine to talk to somebody about Right. literally setting up the idea that
0: Jabba he's going to
1: me Jabba the Hutt. So he's going to start working for him. So, uh, that's another way. Um, The way that they they live it with emphasis and kind of the burgeoning, not quite rebellion yet, but the fact that this is another element of the rebellion that's out there. So, um, they yeah they do they do a good job of setting up some kind of ideas, story ideas that could bring these characters back or could not if they didn't need to. Uh, But yeah, it was set up in such a way that I think they thought we might want to revisit this at some point. you know, definitely Lando, of course, you know, we know
2: Lando, we would love to see him again at some point, but never have. Kira's, Kira, Kira's story is sort of, I mean, I mean, obviously yeah. intertwined with the mall stuff and like that's all very, I mean, and sorted that. and intriguing, but yet we don't know a lot about her until, like you said, some of these other media come out. There's a book about her mm-hmm.
0: coming out comic book uh series as well has been out where it's a continuation of her story with crimson dawn um and also so giving a lot more you know backstory of her and her feelings I mean, about han um, yeah,
1: then we have the whole war of the bounty hunters where they're yeah, all fighting mm-hmm. for yes han and,
0: <laughs> and she was the one end up getting so i guess okay so that again those that conversation uh tonight um how do we feel about that? Because if here's my, here's my take on it. It's like, okay, so we have a sequel that tells the story or, you know, continues, continues the story. And I pay my, whatever it is, 15 bucks for a ticket um, to go see that story. And that started in a film and continued in a film. Um, the way they've done it now is they, they said, let's just take the Kira story since we were talking about it. They set it up in solo. So I paid my $15 to see the movie. And now if I want the rest of that story, I've got to pay $30 for the book that Dave mentioned that's coming out. I've got to pay what, what's a comic book going through or now three, five bucks.
1: Five, five, five six bucks. Four,
0: four, a comic book that's then i'm gonna to have to buy another one in a week or two you know to continue that story so much like what we're talking about with the you know disney they're starting now to nickel and dime me if i want to get that entire story and i guess how do you guys how do you guys feel about that i don't mind star wars stories being told in different media but you know what i mean you I know think, what i'm getting that yeah
1: yeah No, no, and I think here's the interesting part. Having liked other kind of geeky, nerdy media properties, I'm somewhat accustomed to that element, the idea of, hey, this story didn't finish in the TV show or movie. You're going to have to buy the book by the series or movie writer in order to get the ending that you didn't get or that you were promised but didn't get. So it's new, maybe new to Star Wars, but it's new in general. you know, even even something like It's Hilarious, I was thinking, even something like the original actual sequel that Richard Donner wanted to do for Superman 2 actually came out in a comic book. It's actually called Superman for Tomorrow. And he co-wrote it and Jim Lee drew it. And it's it was his ideas for what Superman 3 was going to be in comic book format. So if you want to see it, it exists in a way. You know, you don't have to go and read it on a Wikipedia page. You can actually you can enjoy it in, in a different medium. But I do recognize that that's not for everybody. I mean, we talk about all the time when properties jump from movies to TV or TV to movies, there's some people who don't like that tra- that transition, that the, there's a disconnect there. And so um, going from that to a printed media, like a book or a comic book or a web series, it, it, it proves challenging for a lot of people. I don't struggle with it, but I also do know that there's meaningful people who like I'm not doing that. I'm. feel if, if that does feel like homework.
2: I I think like um, I don't have a I don't have a problem with it, right? Um, I I actually really enjoy reading the books. Um, I I didn't read the books in the '90s because I didn't think that it seemed like re, quote unquote real Star Wars to me. Um, like it was just not. I was like, I those those three movies, and that's it. That was it. That was the real. That was the real Star Wars. Um, and so you couldn't you couldn't pay me at that point to to, to read the novels because it was like not quote unquote real. It wasn't it wasn't good enough. Um, and I'm completely turned around on this. I understand the arguments of that. Like, I don't have time for everything. And I think like that's a re- very real concern, especially for people like you know who are professionals and parents, and you know we have lives, and you can't you can't dedicate every waking moment, let alone all of your free time, to this one thing. Um, but I do enjoy the books, and I do like to pick up the the story that interests me. I'm re- I'm reading the Thrawn books. Those those books to me are really. Are good Um, they're they're interesting they give me a version of Star Wars that I typically haven't gotten a lot of exposure to Um, and so for me those like really click I also like a lot of the stories that tie in with characters that we already know so like in this case you know for example we get some of these characters from this movie I you know principally be down I'd be into it but by the same token, it's, I think like, it doesn't, it doesn't act as a, as a, as a replacement for a film or even a television show. And I think like, that's where this yearning sort of comes in for a lot of fans. It's just like make solo Two happen. That's a a hashtag that (laughs) recirculates yearly annually. Um, if not more often than that i think i think it gets trending more often than that if we're being honest but uh, there's a reason for that and it's not oh i hate the books or i hate the comics cuz they feel like homework it's it's more just this is, this is different it feels different
0: it's yeah. more of an event and it, it's interesting and it's a time commitment well and it's interesting that it, i'm i'm thinking here that it's kind of a cuz you were mentioned the Thrawn the throne books and that's when I started getting into my head this, the, it's, it's a chicken and egg argument because it's like, follow me on this one. Thrawn starts as a character that in a book and most of his story is told in a book. And then all of a sudden when he comes into Rebels, it's like, this is really cool. I get to see this, you know, we could see this character we've read about and then it goes back into the books. And so we're used to that flow. Kira, let's just take that, again, just that story, is a character that comes out in this movie. And now it's like regulated to the, for the most part, comic books. And so it, it becomes kind of, it's uh, it seems disjunct to me. You know what I mean? Um, it would be, uh, so, and I'm, I'm with you, Dave, that even... You know, like the the books in the '90s, it's like even even books that had Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, and Princess Leia in them did not feel right. It it felt like you're watching a high school production of you know your favorite movie. It it, it just it just felt weird, right? Um, so that's my question: is that I mean, is do you think? and I know it, co- it, it costs far less money probably to get the comic books out but I don't know do you if you're writing a movie do you, do you write it and set yourself up for the possibility of a, of a sequel a la um, National Treasure 2 or do you write it with a bow wrapped around it like A New Hope and then if you get the chance to do a sequel, then it's like, oh, cool, we get another one, and you can say, yeah, these things you can just in it just in the little text. This is what has been happening, and now we're on to this new story. So,
2: didn't they split the difference with the first movie, really? If you if you think about it, because like the first Darth movie,
0: Vader goes spinning off, and it's like, he's, I'm, I'm talking he's not the first,
2: dead. I'm talking about the first solo
0: movie. Oh, first solo, but movie.
2: yeah. I mean, even with a New Hope, you have the whole tease of Vader, but like, um, with the first solo movie. It's, it's a tidy bow, basically, because it's like, how did it's he meet Chewie? Lo- it's, meet...
0: it's loosely bound. It's, it's, it's... How did
2: he meet Chewy? How did he meet Lando? How did he get the Falcon? Uh, bing, 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 bing. You know, you go down the checklist, and it's like, oh, we got all the things. All right, okay. And, and the end of the movie, he gets the Falcon. So it's like, okay, all right, we're done. Nice tidy bow. But the stuff we're talking about, there's so much in there that they
0: intentionally... Built for and left ambiguous, yeah. At the end, yeah, yeah.
2: And the creators of this content, and I, I'm thinking of John Kasdan in particular, um, the co-writer, um, has teased like so much that so much effort went into creating this movie, and so much love and affection for the for the material, and then just a lot that they left on the cutting room floor, and they had a lot planned. And he's like, "I'd love to do more with this, but it just doesn't sound like it's gonna happen
1: and And I think in some ways it it also you almost have to recognize that stuff gets developed in different eras. you know, historically, what you know we're just talking about a new hope and uh debut in forty six years ago. Sequels were rare. sequels were uh, you know they didn't happen, definitely not for big movies, you know. You could get your schlocky theme movie sequel, you know, whether it's a horror movie or a cheap sci fi movie, but most big movies did not get sequels. It was such a big occurrence when that happened. Uh, whereas now we live in an age where you're almost guaranteed that you're going to get a follow up product or a follow up uh, of something of, you know, along the way, whether it's a, a further book or a further comic book or a TV show or a spin off, you know. We live in the world of the MCU and the Wizarding World, and
0: well, that's... you know there
1: is, and that creates a dynamic where we are expecting, you know that despite we might get the loosely tied bow, but we're expecting there's going to be some branching off out of here.
0: And that's, I, and uh, that's a very good point in that, our our paradigm of a sequel. I think. Is changing for us but it hasn't changed within our brains we think that we should have solo 2 but we are getting you know you're we're going to start seeing this where we're going to get this character is going to show up in this movie or disney plus series so you get a little continuation of their story um or you know like i said emphasis nest could very easily show up in Andor season two. Easy. You know? Yeah. Um we could we could get Kira in um honestly, we could get Kira in Andor season two. You know? Um so uh, I like I said, I think I think your point, like I said when you said we're in the time of the MCU, is that you're not going to get um solo two but you're going to see those characters again at some point.
1: You might see, look, we're talking about the Lando Chronicles, or the Calrissian Chronicles at some point.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: You know, and there's there's a lot of different ways that it could go. And a lot of this is determined by money and like, oh, what's the best bet in this case? Like how best should we budget things? Um, and those are the sorts of considerations that ultimately define this. And, and so when fans try to drum up the interest and they try to get these campaigns going because they're excited for it and they're thinking we can apply pressure and bring back this thing that we really love I guess like to your pointer and be careful what you wish for because it may not be a feature film it may be a television show that has zero backing from the studio that gets no budget whatsoever and at that point, are you even getting what you would want? Um, I, you know, I think back to Obi-Wan a little bit with this, is like, I really enjoyed Obi-Wan. All of us did, but you can't really call that a sequel exactly. And it, it it's like, if, when you're thinking about, um, we talked about, uh, watching these movies in a particular order and what's the best order to watch them in. Is it the machete order? Is it the whatever?
0: Nope. Dave just, Dave just froze. Um, yeah, I don't know where he was where he was starting to go with it, but uh I will say this i don't you know people have talked about um you know i I keep on seeing articles about uh, the sequel to the Kenobi series and like i don't think I don't think Lucasfilm has said anything about except no. that there's not one in the works and b i i don't i, I think i'm I'm good with leaving obi wan where it is you know
1: I, I think what's interesting is wait, they're coming back they're coming back.
0: Might be, might
1: no, be. I don't think so. Uh, no, no, um I think what's interesting with it is, whereas before maybe uh, uh, a creator and actor didn't want necessarily to do that, you are getting that now. and McGregor said at Celebration, he'd love to be back for more. Same thing with Hayden. You know? So it's the kind of thing where I think the, because you have actors or producers or creators who are fans, they're not, they're comfortable coming back to it. Whereas beforehand, you no know, once it was a, kind of like Harrison Ford. It's a paycheck. I did my job. I'm off. I'm uh, getting. and jumping on my jet and I'm flying away. Now you know, if you ask somebody to give him McGregor, hey, would you like to do Obi Wan one more time? Sure. Give me my here's my here's my salary. You're meeting it, and I'll meet y'all at the set. and It'll be awesome. I'll have a great time. So Dave, uh,
2: Dave you want to finish? What your were you, talk?
0: Yeah. What were you saying when you? Uh...
2: uh, I'm sorry about the internet. It's really taking me
0: off right now. Um.
2: I you know, like the uh it's just we we used to think about this in terms of like how can you fit everything together in a nice neat tidy box and it's like the order should be this. Uh the machete order is the
0: I don't think Dave's allowed to say machete.
2: <laughs>
1: machete. <laughs> it's like it, it's not it's machete, like... Dave. It's not machete, it's machete
0: there's a difference it's like he's saying biggie smalls three times in a row <laughs> well i tell you what um with that i think maybe i will just so i don't know we'll see if dave come mm-hmm. back here but uh, um and he'll probably be swearing when he jumps back on um <laughs> but we were going to talk about the concept of a gray jedi because that was another thing that has been trending mm-hmm. this week but i think we're going to punt that to next week um and speaking of punting, I do want to say a little bit of saint stuff here. Did you see the we had the annual rookie uh, crawfish boil?
1: It was hilarious. You
0: like can always tell
1: it's not from here.
0: Love the lady saying, are you scared? I mean, <laughs> that was me and my first crawfish boil. So um, no, The
1: interesting look, if you've never been to a crawfish boil, I can totally understand it because it feels so alien, it's such an alien concept. It's it's almost like when you uh if you remember Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom, when you're at the dinner scene, and I know that that one's stained with all sorts of negative stereotypes, but you know, that element of being out of your element, that you're in somebody else's room or dinner and you're having to consume something you've never consumed before. It can be quite off-putting, but I love crawfish balls. Crawfish balls are awesome. They they give you an opportunity to share in a meal in a way that's very rare in America. And Dave's back.
0: Dave's back. We were taught, talk- we we're just do talking about say the mach- saints rookies. Uh, uh, do, not say machete, Dave, do not say machete. Yeah. If you say machete a third time, your like internet's going to explode. I guess so. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so now I'm in the, I'm on the phone. Did you wrap up or are we still?
0: Oh, we're, no, if you if you want to try to get your point out, well, before we sign off, but just don't say the word machete and I think you'll be fine. Okay. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah, well very briefly, uh, the the idea oh, that God. we had a really uh, concrete way to ingest all of this content is sort of gone at this point. There, there's just too much that a person can watch and it doesn't all follow the same sort of script. Uh, it used to be two-hour chunks, um, like you could set your watch to it. You watch a movie for two hours and go on a bathroom break and you come back and then you watch the next movie for another two hours. If you're doing a marathon, now it's not even possible to do a marathon. There's just too much, um, not to mention the fact that there's just no rhythm or rhyming to it in the way that there used to be. Um, and so like, I think like that's, that's the idea that I was trying to convey with, with solo and, and it's just, it's different now and, and, and it's okay that it's different now.
0: It's very good point. If you know, the menu is getting too big, Mm -hmm. the menu is getting too big. Um, it's like, you know, it's at, yeah, I mean, at some point, some people are never going to eat your chicken dish because they've got all these other things to choose from on the menu um when we grew up we had three things on the menu you know it's like when you went to mcdonald's you either got a big mac or you got a quarter pounder or you got a regular old cheeseburger there was no such thing as chicken nuggets you know what i mean i mean i go back that far so uh, but the menu is getting f- way too big and when i think when menus get too big quality also starts to suffer um, so that's, I mean, that's topic for another night, but Fredo, you got some last comment? No,
1: uh, yeah, no, I was just going to say real regarding that. I mean, you make, I mean, we make the point regarding the MCU, you know, just think of the idea of sitting down and watching all the move all 18 movies I did ahead of Infinity War and Endgame. I did. I try, <laughs> now imagine somebody trying to do all the faces to get to right before we get to secret wars and then tell them oh no no you have to go back and watch tv shows now We need and a, all this other stuff we need another yeah, global
0: pandemic for that to happen yes
1: oh my god but yeah it, it gets to a point where you're basically you almost have to treat it like a full-time job and ain't nobody got time for that you get to a point where you become juicy as to what media you're going to consume because you you don't that oh, this isn't a job for most of us This is supposed to be enjoyment and you're not enjoying it you're doing it to be complete is,
2: yeah, it's not going to be fun so I, so I think like solo can take whatever form it needs to take um to serve the story and and you know and for whatever the powers that be determine that it needs to take you know because like oh we we don't have the budget for it or whatever um but yeah the, you're going to have exposure to these characters and, and you're going to have exposure to some of these stories um and whether it's in print form or whether it's TV movie, what have you. Um, I mean, just enjoy what you get, I guess at the end of the day, I, I wouldn't say that make solo to happen is um, a bad thing as a, as a movement goes. I think it's, it's fun. I I enjoy it. And I enjoy that people are passionate about that first film because that first film is really underrated. Yeah um and, and gets a bad rap because of the box office etc but um you know it's I, I think keep your expectations in check as we always say yep. uh,
0: you know well all right well thanks for hanging out with us and uh um by the way i do want to say appreciate it. it's, it's now become like uh we're starting to get some people uh, tweeting out when they're listening to the podcast. Um, that makes us feel good. Thank you for doing that. Um, share Thank it you. with your friends. Um, of course, we don't share it with your enemies. Yeah, share it with your enemies. Whatever. Um, you know, just uh, have fun listening. Thank you for having fun listening to Star Wars with us. Um, but until then, until next week, we'll say who that and everybody, yeah, buddy, have a great week. Sampai